So, you know, you got your, this is, we got, we, we'll do a moment in RV here on the live stream. And uh, Emily's, Emily's considering getting herself a fifth wheel RV. Now, the fifth wheel RVs are big. They're like apartments because they don't have an engine and they don't have like the steering area. So they can make extra living space out of it. They're, they're a pretty sweet way to go. It's essentially like living in an apartment. So obviously, Emily, I'm going to say, yeah, go for it. I like it a lot. We uh, Today was kind of an interesting day from an RV full-timer perspective because I'm about two hours out from the studio. Eh, maybe not even that far, but it's, it's a long ways out from the studio, and there's a big storm today. Lots of wind. The power's out. And uh, it's funny when, the, when that happens in, in an RV, it's, uh, it's not like when the power goes out normally the, because at first it's uh, – did the power just go out? Yeah, yeah I think so. Because nothing really in the RV changes because you've got house batteries and some units even have generators. So pretty quickly, it's just another day. And today in particular is like that is really, really handy. Now, the flip side is that I got outside and I smelled something a little funny, a little, uh, a little stinky, kind of like rotten eggs. I know immediately it was propane, and I start going, oh, some dumb son of a bitch around here. They got their propane linking out of their, out of their RV, and they're about to blow up their whole damn house. That was, wait a minute, is that me? Is that me? Couldn't be me, could it? I better go double check. So I, I walk over to my rig. This is, my truck's already started. I'm about to leave to come into the studio. But I, you know, I'm like, I, I better double check this. And I think it's just because it was so windy, it just sort of had been wafting it around. Because we, sure enough, had a leak. I opened up the bay where our propane tank was, and I heard this little And I was like, oh, no. And so I quickly turned off the propane valve to, to, to you know, just solve the problem immediately. Uh, and, and what must have happened is, is we have an adapter on there that I think got a little loose when we drove. And uh, we just didn't really catch it because the wind hadn't really been blowing much. And so we, you know, possibly could have been blowing up our home. So there's always that line. Just a slight danger. <laughs> nothing, nothing terrible. <laughs> At the same time, though, it's, it's pretty great to be out somewhere uh, where we are. It's, it's, it's like stereotypical Hollywood fall time road driving. Like if, if they were going to show a car driving down a fall road with all the beautiful colors, that's where we're at. So it's neat to be able to go there for a few weeks, spend some time there, and then come back and uh, uh, get a little bit closer to work when we're done. So I say go for it, Emily. I think more and more people are going to be doing it. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 219 for October 17th, 2017. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's reformatting and reinstalling every spare machine it's got. My name is Chris. My name is Wes, or so I think because I've lost all my documents. <laughs> oh no! Well, hello Wes, and over there is Beard. Hello Beard! Hey. So guys, this is an episode you could say I'm a bit pumped up about. bit pumped up. This is one of those episodes that reminds me why I got into podcasting. I'm very much looking forward to today's episode. We're going to review Ubuntu 17.10 in just a little bit in the show. And we're also going to cover some rather important community news this week that uh, we're going to break it down, as they say. That's what we say. But break it down. We're going to analyze and and break it down. Yeah, we'll get through some of the community news and events that uh, we want to talk about, including some projects we just recently covered that need some help. And then 17.10's here. Now, even if you're not an Ubuntu user, I encourage you to stick around for the review coming up in the show. In fact, I, you more than more, maybe more than anybody else, I challenge you. You're a longtime anti-Ubuntuite. Is that a is that a thing? It is now an anti-Ubuntuer. I, I, I don't know, but if you're one of anti-Ubuntu, I don't know. Yeah, hmm. it's a hard one. I ask, I ask for you to stick around for a bit. And if you're considering the upgrade, debating it, I also encourage you to stick around. Uh, obviously, I had a lot of hands-on with 1710 at. The Ubuntu Rally, we've been running it here for days. I've been running it for weeks and weeks. And so this is one of those reviews that we get to do rarely. And uh, I'm really looking forward to doing that. But we got to get to some of this news. This is big, big news stuff, big news stuff. So let's holla at our virtual lug. Time-appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Hello. Hello. Uh, Hello. <laughs> that was nice and concise. Wow. <laughs> that was tight. On top of it. Yeah. They, they got in a queue yeah. and they took turns. Now, I want to say right here at the top of the show, Next week, as an experiment, I think we're going to try doing Discord just so we can do an A-B and let the audience decide what they thought worked better. So if you'd like to help us participate in that test, go to discord.me slash Colony to join our Discord. You can use the web browser discord.app or you can download their Electron app. In, I guess there's a snap of it and 
there's probably other ways you can get about it. Anyways, we're going to do a little A-B, and we'll let the audience and the audience being both the participators and the listeners decide which worked better. So join us for 220 in Discord next week, Virtual Lug. We're not switching. We're just testing for one episode. Starting with uh, 221, we'll be back in Mumble until we make a decision. So we're not switching. We're just trying for 220 in Discord. I'm installing the Snap right now. Are you? That's right. So, uh, yeah, give it a go on that. And I'm going to, you know, and the other thing I have to consider, too, is like guests, because we bring guests in via Mumble and all that stuff. I'll say my bias is to stick with Mumble. Right off the top, that's my bias because it's worked for us. It's free. It's open source. And it's part of the show. Uh, That's my bias. But we're going to give it a good A-B. See how it goes. Okay, so let's start with a news story that's kind of a big one that uh, is uh, complicated. And it's this new enforcement statement around the Linux kernel. Greg K.H., Chris Masson, uh, Rick Van Rail, I, th- I want to say, and Sean Kahn all got together and wrote up a big old post about this new signing statement, essentially, that's going to be attached to the Linux kernel. But I wanted to start with um, a little bit of information that's kind of, kind of interesting. Greg has talked about this every single year, that the, con- the kernel continues to change faster than it did the year before, which is nuts since it's 26 years old now. So this year... This year, they're running around 8.5 changes an hour, 10,000 lines of code added, 2,000 modified, 2,500 lines removed every hour of every day. Wow. Those numbers are just insane. Yeah. And so there's been a problem going on in the background. You're familiar with NetFilter. I am. And there's been um, some shenanigans as a result of the developer, of a developer from NetFilter, uh, Patrick McCarty. And it's caused the kernel developers to rethink aspects of the kernel license. Now, we're not going GPL3 here, but stick with me for a second. BSD? MIT? (laughs) Apache? What's happening, Chris? So, Greg and others write, the same processes that we use to assure fulfillment, quote-unquote, of license obligations, you know, to make sure that companies that are are violating the GPL come into compliance. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the same obligations and availability of source code, all of those can be used to unjustly troll acti- in unjustly trolling activities to extract personal monetary rewards from GPL software. Uh, the kernel team appears to call it uh, monetization for short. Uh, they're, they're trying to monetize their code. In particular, issues have arisen as a developer from the NetFilter community, Patrick McCarty, has sought to enforce his copyright claims in secret and for large sums of money by threatening or engaging in litigation. Some of his compliance claims are issues that could easily be resolved. However, he has also made claims based around ambiguities in the GPL2 that no one in our community had ever considered part of compliance to begin with. So here's an example. This is really something. Examples of these claims have been distributing over-the-air firmware, requiring a cell phone maker to deliver a paper copy of the source code offer letter, claiming that the source code server must be set up with a download speed as fast as, a, as the binary server based on the equivalent access language of Section 3, i.e., he's trying to take Section 3 language of the GPL that, that talks about equivalent access and apply that to download speeds. And if you, don't, if you are in violation of that, then he's going after you. He's also saying that it mandates that paper copies of the GPL be distributed, that it gets that it gets translated to other languages, and if you fail to do any of these things, you're out of compliance. And because of the way the GPL2 is structured, he demands immediate action. And if you fail to take immediate action, then he gets to claim damages at some insane amount. For the, and for the amount of time that you don't make these corrections, he gets to claim damages. Then he goes after you for those damages. Because of this, and to help clarify what the majority of the Linux community members feel is a correct way to enforce their license, the Technical Advisory Board of the Linux Foundation has worked together with lawyers in the community and individual developers and many companies to participate in the development and now rely on the draft of the kernel enforcement statement to help address both the specific issue they're facing today and to help prevent any future issues like this from happening again. Now, it adopts some termination provisions that are from the GPL3 and essentially layers it down on top. It isn't relicensing because what it, what it essentially is, is it's an agreement and it's a statement that says the copyright holders of this kernel code interpret this clause this way. This is our collective understanding of this line of the GPL2. And as a result... We also now assume these additional new things. And these new things are the additional permissions given to companies that have confidence of the copyright holder 
to reach compliance. So you're, you're essentially allowing people time to reach compliance. And they hope this will reestablish user slash business confidence and help direct enforcement activity back to the original purpose, which is actual compliance and not screwing people for failing to get the right download speed and then suing them for damages when they haven't corrected immediately by bastardizing language from the GPL2 to use as a hammer. So they're lacquering on top of agreements that the, the stakeholders of the Linux community or kernel have agreed upon. It's really complicated, but because essentially the top developers hold the bulk of the kernel code copyright, as long as you get this top-tier group of developers to agree to this new layer, this enforcement statement, then essentially you have something that is law, in a way. Because by making it very clear how the project interprets that legalese, that means you are accepting their interpretation when you now use the project. And so you can't come after them afterwards pretending like you didn't know. That's my rough non-lawyer understanding of this. It's very complicated. Well, it's the law. <laughs> it is. Uh, if you uh, want to know more or uh, think I got something wrong, uh, please feel free to let me know. And also, linked in the show notes, I have uh, a fact that Greg K.H. has posted. Um, I have more information about Patrick McHardy and his copyright profiteering that many developers in the Linux community have been worried about. This is something that's been brewing in the background for ages now. And apparently, um, Software Conservancy is all in with this statement. They have, they have a press release that says they applaud the Linux community's promotion of principled, principled copyleft enforcement. And they say the, soft, the statement includes additional permissions under the Linux license, which is GPL2. So they agree this does not change the kernel from GPL2 to GPL3, and they applaud this new statement. So there you go. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Greg, Greg says at some point more than like 200 kernel developers discussed the complexities of wow. this problem That's a, yeah. to come to this kind of decision. Well, it seems like it was a good, uh, a good decision. I can certainly see why the Linux Foundation would be concerned and why people would be concerned about the you know, lack of assurity that businesses would have when trying to use it. And Obviously, that's a big goal to keep businesses invested in Linux. Yeah, and now let's talk about the other really kind of big story this week. So that's the, probably the biggest, um, and it's hard to really break it all down, and it's for desktop users, it really has no big impact either way. Not really, no. Yeah. But this one has more of an impact on desktop users. You guys probably all know about Crack at this point, K-R-A-C-K. Crack is whack. WPA2 is broken now. And uh, you guys just got done covering this on TechSnap, so that'd we probably sure be a good did. spot to... To point people's TechSnap and also Ask Noah this week both have really good coverage on the uh, on this problem. So it's not really our domain necessarily. The Linux distributions are good at putting out the patches, man. But boy, they sure are talking about Android and Linux a lot in the reviews. Even yeah. though there's a lot of other systems and OSs that are I vulnerable that too. A lot I mean, of that. and and maybe some of that is for good reason about like, well, you know, Windows already has a patch, for instance, but some of our Android phones will not see those patches. But if you're not explicit about it, it's just kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Dan's here from Elementary. I'm Dan. I'm curious if you have any like uh, any sh- any insights to share from the whoa there, whoa there. That's some timing. Whoops. On the uh, distribution <laughs> side of pushing the patch out, is that pretty smooth for you guys? Is it is it something where somebody somebody sits up in the Elementary team and says, okay, let's make sure this one goes out? Or how does that process work for you guys? Uh, actually, for us, it's completely transparent because we're based on uh, Ubuntu. We just get it directly from canonical security team like everybody else. Yeah, I figured that'd probably be the case, Dan. And they got it out pretty quick. A lot of the distributions did. Linux really kicked butt on this particular one. Uh, people people noticed, too, which is really cool. This is a lot of times we're right on top of the patches, but people just take it for granted. But because this one got so much publicity and it affects desktop users, too, people notice this update coming down. And you saw some real hustle. Uh, that was cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the insight there, Dan. I uh, I got to say, we have been fighting some problems here in the studio for, for weeks again. We have these, uh, these frequent now GNOME 3 crashes. And what seems uh. to happen is GNOME takes a crash. And then when GNOME crashes, it seems to crash our audio server, which then we lose about 25 seconds, 30 seconds of audio on our live stream and in our episode recordings. No, this is not deja vu. Yes, we have talked about this before. We actually had it resolved for a while. For weeks and weeks and weeks, we resolved it with, with really no, uh, no complaints. Like Beard fixed a few things, did a couple of updates, and put a new NVIDIA driver on there. I can't remember. Which, what, was, what was it, Beard? Was it, it wasn't anything that complicated. It was no, basics. I basically just updated the drivers and installed the new NVIDIA driver, and it went away. 
Yeah, and so we thought, okay, we're good. We can, uh, we can, we can proceed on sanity. And we have the LTS kernel. So yes, it's Arch, but we have the LTS kernel. Yeah, right. So uh, we thought, okay, we're good. We're good. Without changing, we haven't done any updates because it's working, and it's only been you know a few weeks. Without changing anything, and only just a handful of reboots. Now all of a sudden, GNOME three has begun crashing again on us. There's not really anything of any detail in the log. It's 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 one of those things where I think by the end of next week I'm going to reload this machine. It's just got to happen. And I, I've been waiting to see. I've been waiting to see which way am I going to go? Where is it going to break? What am I going to do? Do I go Solus? Do I go Fedora? Do I go Ubuntu? Do I go Arch again with the LTS the kernel and the LTS drivers? So that's going to be part of what we talk about today. Because it's, it's in the background. It is a Bruin! As they say. But first, I want to thank Linux Academy before we go much further in the show. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplug. That's where you go to sign up for a free seven-day trial and support the show. It's a platform to learn more about Linux. And they have really nice hands-on scenario-based labs to give you experience on real servers. They have self-paced, in-depth video courses on every Linux and cloud and DevOps topic. And if you get stuck anywhere, they have real humans, instructors, full-time humans that can help you. One of the things that's really nice about Linux Academy is their course scheduler. If you're busy, you got kids, you got a job, you got a lot going on, Maybe you're like Wes. You live in downtown Seattle, so you're always busy. And that's true, right? That's right. Yeah. That's how, that's how but I still got to learn things. Course scheduler, Wes. You pick a course. You set a time frame, and it just helps you stick to it. it gives you friendly reminders if you want them about your goals. Uh, I was looking in here just yesterday for getting started on Android development. Six hours and forty minutes, or something like that. And you get started on Android development. That's the it thing, breaks like, it all down. I like to think I'm pretty good at unstructured learning, lo- figuring stuff out for myself. But I don't know how long that's going to take. Even if you have a good note sheet to use, like Linux Academy makes it so easy to be like, okay, I have two hours right now because my plans fell through. I'm going to learn something concrete. Yeah, and they have offline stuff you can take with you to learn on the go, including iOS and Android apps and those video courses. Check it out, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. It's a platform to learn more about Linux. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program. I want to do a quick little mention for the Linux vendor firmware project. We talked about FW Update last week. What a fantastic project that is. Got to version 1.0. lets you update your firmwares on your Linuxes. Now here's the problem. They're looking a little low on funds right now. Aww. And you would think that like Dell and, and HP and these companies would pay them. But no, that's not how these things work, unfortunately. And so there's some hosting costs here. And I, I really feel like these guys are an undersold uh, asset to the community. And they are asking for humble things. They say at the moment, the secure part of the Linux vendor firmware project is hosted on a dedicated Scaleway instance. So any additional donations would be spent on paying this small bill and perhaps more importantly, buying some second-hand hardware to include as part of our release QA checks. Now, if this was a business that delivered, if Linux, if Linux was a business that delivered firmware updates to its customers, they wouldn't be scrapping together a couple of thousand dollars right. and buying second-hand hardware. And this is, some, this is one of the unsung hero aspects of open source is often this stuff is being done on budgets that are are inconceivable to multinational companies and uh, I would I I would be wonderful if this was not a project that was hurting for time and resources and money if they could pay for developers if they could pay for hosting I really think that would be a good use of people's time and money if you want to donate they accept uh, payments via LibrePay or PayPal um they have uh, details on their website, which we have linked in the show notes. Just such a such a great project, you know, getting getting your firmware updates out there, like your microcode updates and your all the other stuff out there. Yeah. That was previously you had to boot into some crazy free DOS or load up your right. Windows system just and hope that you don't brick everything. And it's still early days too. So yeah. we have more that needs to be done. We have more work that needs to be done still. So help them get there. Ike's got some work on his hands. I struggle to understand this completely, but it is essentially a compatibility layer for Steam that could work across all distributions using Snaps and a new feature of Snap 2.28 called Bases, which allow you to create a soulless base snap. Whoa, take that in for a second. A soulless base snap. So he can create an environment based on the soulless base snap that you could put on an Ubuntu box and a Fedora box and an Urge box. You know what I'm saying? I want that right now. Yeah, it's kind of a neat feature. And... um. I guess technically everything right now is just sort of based on like a core snap. 
everything's dependent on like core snap, which is like base Ubuntu system, but it could be a Fedora it or Solus. Be, right, it doesn't matter. So Ike is using this new fang- fangled base technology to create this Linux Steam integration layer that uh, is basically a replacement for the runtime stuff that's done now with Steam, in theory. So we could all get access to all the hard work they've done over in the Solus world yeah, of having that top-notch Steam runtime. The core thing you're, you know, I know we won't talk about this much, but the, the, the core thing you're trying to get out of this is you have a lot of good hard work that's gone into libraries and, and drivers and all this stuff that Ubuntu 12.04 simply does not have because it's from 2012. Think about that. That's a long time. Oh, in great year Linux. that it was. Right. Be it in the past. But that is what the Steam runtime is based on, and that's why early on, Ike was trying to solve this problem with the little uh, um, menu. I forgot what it's called. Damn it! But it's a little menu that comes up and it asks you to choose native libraries or Steam libraries. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like the Steam integration chooser or whatever. And that was the first. That's the first attempt at this. This is like the final attempt at solving this problem, and it solves it for all distributions too. They talk about it more in the most recent late night Linux. If you want to hear Ike talk about it, because uh, he could explain it better than I could. But I would love to see it as somebody who jumps distros. That's really you know where I, why I find this to be interesting is it would allow me to distro hop but still have the same consistent Steam experience. Right. And this is how they're going to do it. They're going to have to target these these bases like this. But it's, so it's it's really also nice to see like that snap functionality really coming along because yeah. like snap has it come a long way as a format uh and as just like the tooling is available that now that seems totally reasonable and maybe in the future it'll be you know once we have snap on more distributions or at least more like in the defaults telling people how to start gaming on linux should be really easy and we can be confident that it'll just work so dan i've seen uh i've seen a recent insight post over at canonical about uh elementary working with snap packages but i've also seen the elementary twitter account say you guys are also excited about flat packs so what's going on what's going on over at elementary with snaps and flat packs and future integration of snaps what's where's all that at at least right now i mean i think overall the consensus is that it's early days on kind of both of these projects and there's a lot of people doing really interesting things to kind of push it forward and get ready to start shipping it. I know that uh, Martin's working on uh, distributing snaps in uh, Ubuntu Mate. But um, for us, when when we're when we're looking to adopt a new technology or change kind of the way that we do things, like we subscribe to this idea of having a, a one true development path. And and so we want to make sure that if we um, pick a technology and say, hey, we like this and we're going to go with this that we've tested it really thoroughly and that it works for like everything across the board and that it's something that we can tell our third-party developer community that it works right now for them to use. So we're, we're still trying to like explore and um, we, we're totally happy to like attend events and work with the upstream. Do you feel like there's some political waters though you have to navigate a bit? Like you don't want to upset different camps basically. Yeah, I mean, there's some politics to it, but there's also some like brand management to it as as well. Like, um, you know, I had uh, third party developers uh, messaging me after the canonical blog post asking, like, "Hey, you know, do I need to start getting my apps ready for snaps?" You know, so they're they're expecting more communication mm. from from us on that, and you know, it's kind of be like, "Hey, you know, no, not yet. We're still looking into it." Yeah, yeah, it's of course. You know, like we, it's like a big topic right now, but it feels like it's got another nine months at least before, like it really, like we're giving it the, it's good that we're talking about it, but I think it gets probably more discussion than it totally warrants, but it's one of those things, it's, this is what's here, it's happening now, so I, I guess that's what we're talking about. Right. And this, this thing that Ike's doing, this Linux Steam integration project, this looks like it could solve real problems for for distributions, Dan. I mean, I know it's it's using a Solus base, but uh, if this really worked and it became sort of a ubiquitous way to get Steam working across distributions, would it be something you guys would take a look at? I mean, I definitely think that for certain third party packages, that being able to do these kind of things are super important. Like like you said, Steam targets you know twelve oh four, right? And and they're never going to build a version of Steam for elementary OS. So there's always going to have to be like a sideloading story. And it seems like container formats like Snap are the best sideloading story that that we could have going forward. Yeah. And it 
it also solves that uh, that well there's no applications available problem well that's not really true you know once you start getting a couple of these things in in containered formats uh, and you start you start making targets like this like this Linux Steam integration target eh, it starts changing because then you start targeting these you can start targeting these base snaps instead of targeting distributions right and that could have big ramifications on the availability of applications and look at Ike here I, you know he's He's not holding, I, I give him credit here, he's not holding this in just for Solus. Yeah, right? I mean, that's kind of a big selling point for Solus, but now uh, you can get it anywhere. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we'll follow it with some interest. I'll probably kick the tires. you have thoughts, Beard? I just find it interesting that uh, everybody's talking about uh, snaps and flat packs, and app images just, like, been pushed off to the side. I mean, yeah. you know what the thing about app images is that it only kind of solves cross-platform, but it, like, what's really important is all the security and privacy features that come with like containerized formats. Yeah, yeah, the sandboxing is kind of a nice feature. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's it's like uh, when I when I first thought of application sandboxing, I thought about how Apple did it on the Mac, and it's not like that. It's 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 much better, and it's it makes sense. It keeps especially especially if in business environments where you can have business applications that can take decades between updates. I just really like it. Uh, it's gonna make it's gonna make deploying applications that uh, would sometimes be harder to deploy on newer versions of Linux possible in business environments. I ran into that myself personally, where you had to load a really old version of Linux. To yeah, get, right. To get an application to work, uh, and uh, I think that's gonna start changing finally. So I guess it is. I guess it is relevant to be talking about it. I was kinda, especially with all the like the you know the security minded support and other ways to secure snaps like i can already think of multiple ways where like okay well i really need to run this ubuntu 10 software i don't trust it it's really old i can't change it but a snap is just like that would and then i can secure the 16 workstation or 17 with my standard tooling yeah yeah we're using them too you know we have a snap for the soundboard there's a snap for discord yeah it's happening it's happening. Oh my gosh. You know, I think what it is, is I'm just really pumped to talk about Ubuntu 17.10. So I'm like, let's get through all the news. Let's just get through the news so we can talk about 17.10 because that's what I'm here to do today. That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're so giddy over that's there. Why, it's literally why I came into work today. I was like, I get to talk about 17.10. First thing out of your out of your mouth, Ubuntu. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's clear the way. Let's see, what else do we have? We have a couple other things, but um, I'm going to bump them. What? Yeah, we're what? Gonna, we're going to bump them. I, we got to talk. I, I can't hold my breath much longer. DigitalOcean.com. Go over there, create an account, and then apply our promo code DO Unplugged. It's one word, DO Unplugged. Gives you a $10 credit. Now, you hang on to that $10 credit because buckle up. DigitalOcean is a simple way to get started with really fast systems in seconds. Everything's SSD from the $5 a month system to the ones that have unbelievable gigs of RAM. Yeah, gigs of RAM. Have a simple, intuitive API if you like doing it that way. I know we do, and they have a dashboard for days. It's, it's. If they had dashboard awards, this thing would be an award winner. They should have dashboard awards. They really should. Oh my gosh! Maybe, like, can we can we do that? Although we don't have to provider give dashboard away. awards. Chris, screw the dashboard. Tell me about spaces. Oh, Beardsley, the spaces. I I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. I've been impressed with a lot of the features that. Uh, that DigitalOcean has but rolled you were out over a the years. Skeptical. I just didn't think you were it was like, going to be. What am I going to do with these objects? I didn't think it was going to be for me. I really didn't. I, I thought, okay, great for you developers. Great for you. Uh, it's so great though for me because uh, if you just want to use their, did I mention their wonderful dashboard? If you just want to use their great dashboard, uh, you can go in there and just drop some files in there, generate a link, and uh, have it destroy within, like, say, I don't know, a day. And then give people a link, and then it will download wherever they're at at as fast as their freaking connection can take it. It is so great. I, I had, uh, I was pulling down files at ten megabytes a second, Ooh. and I'm like, all right, this is. I know that's the max this connection amount is going to be able to pull that down. Uh, they're ideal for storing static or unstructured data like audio and video. So if you're working on podcasts and you want to send the files around to your co-host, it's perfect for that. Uh, images, also text, all that. It's it's. It's really well done. And, of course, it's all programmable, like magical. What's the term for that? It's devamatical, you know, with that API. You could, it's devamatical. You don't even have to go it's, use the dashboard. I think it's just good. Oh, but I want to make a new word. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code Unplugged. Then you can spin up, like, their $5 a month rig, run it two months for free, and just try it out. If you want to try out Linux on a server, free BSD, or play around with spaces. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code DOUnplugged. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Unplugged program. How's it going over there, Wes? 
pretty good. So before we started the show, Wes had to recover his bootloader. Yeah, it's um, actually I haven't bothered to fix it yet. I just uh, I just k exact from my other installation because that's like just the easiest way for me to do things now. I don't know what the state of my it. life is like. I love it. So uh, you, you nuked your bootloader trying out Ubuntu seventeen ten. I did. And um, are you in seventeen ten? Oh, yeah, of course. It's seventeen ten episode day, Chris. Come on, I know. And you use GNOME, right? You're using GNOME. I over sure there? am. Yeah. Okay. Actually, it uh, it crashed on me while you were doing that ad read. So that's the theme oh. of the day. Oh you no! Don't say. Oh no! No! Yeah. No! No! Oh no! Oh no! I know. I appreciate your support. The hug here. It's great. Oh, I just well, I mean, I actually feel bad for me. But uh, so let's uh, so let's talk about Ubuntu seventeen ten because this is a pretty remarkable release, even if you're not an Ubuntu user. And as you're listening to this. It's within hours of download. If, well, if you're listening to this when this episode's released, it's within hours of release and download, Ubuntu 17.10. The ISOs are final. They're done. They're baked. And um, it is, it's a notable release for the obvious reason, which is this is Canonical's first release back on GNOME. But I think it's also a notable release for another major reason that we aren't talking about as much. And that's the meta story around this release. And that is the fact that this is the first release after a significantly dramatic restructuring at Canonical that saw the layoff of hundreds of employees and saw a complete refocusing of the company. And during the midst of all of that, this was being created. Software kept going. And... um, I think that's a that's a particularly remarkable achievement because I have seen that type of restructuring and thinning of the herd completely derail a company for years, even even into oblivion. So some some companies never even make it through that. So it's kind of remarkable that they also are shipping on time with a product that uh, well we have we are very excited to talk about. So that's the meta story I think around this release, and then the other the other big meta story about this release was when Mark announced all of these changes. And the grandfathering of, or the sunsetting, I guess, of Unity 7. The screenshots that got passed around and the general sentiment that got passed around was it was going to be a basic bitch GNOME implementation. It was going to be stock GNOME and there was no, there was no Ubuntu soul. There was no heart. They were getting it. out of that game. They weren't making a desktop anymore. I'm sure you'll right. have one, but everybody, new. everybody, it was a, it was the everybody knows the screenshot I'm thinking of with the green gnome background and the Edwadia gray theme. Yep. Default. That was that was the image that went around on the stories everywhere, and and the character of Ubuntu was gone. And the of course the alternative would have been, or they really muck this thing up and they make it like some crazy gnome fork. To make it like Unity 7. So we don't want that either. So it seemed like there was two routes in front of us, and neither one of them were any good. And, and people assumed that Ubuntu was out of the desktop game. Now here we are six months later, and this thing definitely has the soul of Ubuntu. If you just look at the screenshots, you know this is an Ubuntu system. And I have heard multiple different users now who sat down for the first time, both of them that I'm thinking of actually, <laughs> Or Plasma users and, and Beardly over here. Yep. So uh, when they said, like, oh, this is Unity. This is Unity. It and feels like it from the, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty remarkable that they, they got here and they did it in a way that didn't piss off upstream, that uh, listened to the feedback of the community, and as, as a result in a project that is significantly different than any release we've seen from Ubuntu in ages. Significantly. We've never seen an Ubuntu release like this. In, in modern Ubuntu releases. It's a new era, is what it feels like. It is definitely a new era. And it's also right before their next major LTS. Yeah. So it's, it is the release to work this stuff out. Yeah. Because the next LTS has got to be pretty rock solid. So it's, it's, it's a hell of a release to review. And, it, and sure enough, if it's not the kind of thing that legitimately gets me up in the morning and makes me want to podcast. Because even if you're not an Ubuntu user, there's a lot here to, to take in and to appreciate. And so uh, I wanted to start with you guys to just start talking about our impressions of Ubuntu 17.10. I'm coming at it from somebody who's been watching the development very closely from day one. And so in, in such, I have lost a little bit of the, wow, look at this in its totality, because I've sort of been there as each step has come along. Well, you've also literally traveled across the country to witness some of that development. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Yeah. There's that, too. Um, 
So I, I'll tell you, I guess what what I I would start with just to sort of kick it off is um, the dock that they have decided to implement in this is where we need to start because this this was the necessary piece. If you remove this from this gnome setup, this doesn't really feel much like an Ubuntu setup. If you take, especially if you change the background. And they did it in a very sort of a polite upstream way that seems to be working well. And having gone to the Ubuntu rally, I watched firsthand why it's sort of important that they own this piece of the desktop for themselves. And uh, in, the, in the last post, uh, Ubuntu Gnome Shell and Artful, day 15, Didrox talks a little bit about the quick fix that they had in the rally around their dock. This simple... Sort sort of mild fork, I think, is going to be an area they can continue to work on and really kind of just be a small thing they add to their desktop that makes it stand out without having to really own this huge, complex code base. And it, I think it was such, it's such a critical thing that they actually do own this piece themselves. And uh, they have. They've done, that, they've done that part right. The other thing I like as a GNOME desktop user is I like that I'm I'm finally able to install a version of Ubuntu and I get the most recent version of GNOME. GNOME 3.26.1 is shipping in 17.10. And this is not a luxury that Ubuntu users have had very often. Generally, you got to go to your Fedoras or your Arches, your SUSEs for that. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Or you were installing like something yourself from maybe some other PPA or weird repo, but yeah. you didn't. it wasn't just there for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and these things for me are like really ticking boxes for me. I like that. I like their. I like their nice minimal dock implementation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I, really unobtrusive. It's not in the way. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what are you? What are your thoughts? I've talked a lot now, Wes. I got more to say, but I want to give you a chance to jump in. What are you? What are your thoughts? I'm enjoying it a lot, honestly. Uh, if this is more this... than you expected. Yeah, kind of. I mean, okay. So way back when Unity was first introduced, I guess you could say I was one of the one of the fleeing masses that was like eh, i don't know about this um i'm gonna go and it wasn't out of any like hatred or whatever I'm, i use unity at work i have no problems with it it turned out to be a pretty good you know window manager just display whatever desktop environment there we go that's the one um but still it's so it's been a long time since i felt you know that that the ubuntu desktop was the desktop for me that like i was mm. gonna put it on systems and use it and that it would be a workable day-to-day system like I work has it. different constraints right but like on my personal machines this feels like I'm not saying that I'm going to, but this feels very close to like I, I could be excited about it. The combination of like really good snap support, a modern kernel, modern GNOME, a lot of this like features and things. System D has really all that, all those changes have really sh- shaken out in a bunch of. And sure, there's like differences. Um, we were talking before the show about like you know I'm used to Arch where everything's under user bin, and that's not quite so un- in in Ubuntu. So there are differences, but it's gotten so small that it's just super. It's just a super usable setup for me. Mm. I, I will be curious, like at work, I have three monitors connected all by DisplayPort mm. and Unity handles it pretty darn well. Not perfect, not perfect, but um, I'll be really curious to see like, Unity did pretty well with mo- multi-monitor setup. So is how does GNOME cope with that? I'm not sure. Speaking of using it in the work environment, one of the things I, I use a lot when I'm working on my laptop during the day is uh, Bluetooth because I have a I have a Bose SoundLink or whatever it's called and oh, yeah. pretty good sound and I I I before Ubuntu seventeen ten before Ubuntu seventeen ten every day every morning I would have to delete the pairing and repair with my Bose what? for audio to work yeah it would show up it would connect but Pulse would never sound send sound to my Bluetooth audio device uh, but if I delete and repair which is a fairly painless process. Uh, than I could. So I just made that part of my morning routine when I was getting down to work. But now with 1710, I have not had to do that. Wow. So the, the I know that they claim a, thou, a thousand upstream fixes to Bluetooth or Bluesy. Uh, it would, if, if one of those thousands fixed, the, fixed my problem, I'm very grateful for I will for have it. to do some testing with that because that's, yeah, that's I encourage nice thing you to have to. more and more things mm-hmm. of Bluetooth. And I've also had some anecdotal notes about better uh, mouse pairing and things like that like accessory pairings i've only been testing speakers myself but because mm-hmm. uh, i've all i have i have a i have another speaker i had the same problem it's called the 808 thump same exact problem i was having with the bose so i know it wasn't unique to the bose because i had the same issue with another bluetooth speaker both of those work very 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 happy about that because it's just it's just so nice that i just turn it on and now that becomes my default sound device and it's that's the way it feels like it's supposed to work along that same line while i'm talking about my my work laptop 
I have uh, a very sort of mixed results with battery life. And one of the things that they've done in this release of 1710 is they've spent time on actually getting GPU-accelerated video playback to actually be GPU-accelerated. What? So there's a lot of stuff that claim to be GPU-accelerated playback on Linux. Chrome! And, um... Totem! I have some, I have some <laughs> totem in my, sorry. Uh, and other, yeah, there's some, there, anyways, there's some others that claim to maybe be hardware-accelerated but weren't actually hardware-accelerated. And so we're sucking a lot of extra CPU, which was using up a lot of extra battery. And so I'm hoping to start seeing battery life results. I don't really have a good base because the main machine I've been trying Ubuntu on is the first OS I've ever ran on that machine. It's the Libra. Uh, But um, I'm hoping when I try it on my other systems to see an improvement there. Just going to work. Yeah, that that stuff I'm looking forward to. What about you, Beard? What's been sort of your takeaways with 1710 so far? Um, It just feels like unity to me. (laughs) That's pretty much it. It, it. It hasn't really changed at all. In terms of you know how I'd use it, so um, good is that good or bad? Uh, good. I didn't mind Unity. Yeah, yeah. Now I'll I'll tell you it's to me it's 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 the small stuff that's going to make this really stand out. That I think is going to make this stand out above and beyond the other Ubuntu flavors. As much respect, and we're going to talk about the flavors in a moment, as I have for the other flavors. There's some stuff in the, in my opinion, in Ubuntu GNOME proper, or I guess now it's just Ubuntu proper, that um, are the kind of refinements that I deeply, deeply appreciate. And Didrocks points out a couple of them here. They said with our trans, he says with our transition to GNOME shell, we're following more closely to GNOME upstreams philosophies, and we've dropped our header bar patches. Uh, And they did some of these patches to optimize vertical space in the past. Um, but it the, the 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 downside was is it created a different class of issues. Action buttons are generally now on the top, and they're pretty much not noticeable with the ambience and radiance themes that Ubuntu ships with. Mm. Now I I'm, I'm stopping here for a moment because this is the type of problem that I see in just about every damn distribution out there with their default themes, with maybe the exception of like Elementary OS. Uh, it's this attention to detail where. It doesn't really, you know, they, people don't really care that the buttons don't stand out. And if you're watching the video version, I have a screenshot up where the save and cancel buttons, they're there, but your eyes aren't really drawn to them. If like where Wes is at, can you even tell where they're at from across the room? It's a little hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's that's the problem I ran into earlier where I couldn't find the unlock. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exact, that exact one. Uh, so they are introducing some some fixes. They've introduced some styling for the suggested action. And, and the story behind where they got the green from is actually kind of worth going to read his blog for. Huh. Um and they're, they're, they apply these subtleties. So here is they've applied a, a, subtle, a subtle change to the disabled button, so it's obviously disabled, and a bold change to the suggested default action button. It draws your eyes immediately it to really that button. Does, yeah. It makes it clear and easy to see. It's something that if I put this in front of a non-computer user, they'd still understand where to click. And this is done 100 times over and over again throughout this theme. Another example is they've just made small changes to the way the header bar looks when you maximize it, so that way the gradients don't conflict with the sh- with the shell gradient. Mm, thank you. I mean, it's it's minor stuff, but it flows better and it, it eases my brain. It like it, it it simmers my brain the f down, and I stop thinking about my desktop environment, and I, I think more about the work I'm doing. I was having a conversation with Wes over lunch, and I said, Wes, one of my problems I have with both Plasma and Mate is. I end up thinking a lot about the desktop environment. I think about the fact that this icon is slightly smaller than the icon next to it, and I think about the fact that maybe the click targets are a little too small for close and maximize and minimize. I think about the fact that the font's wrapping in the menu, which makes the whole menu offset and all weird. And none of it really matters, except for it steals about 10 to 20% of my brain. Just the micro-distractions that you're just going to keep seeing. And, yeah. Constant micro-abrasions. And these have been polished away in this theme that they have for Gnome Shell at a, at, a, at a level that feels really professional. And, and, and that's something I, I'm, I'm really excited to sit down and just use such a solid implementation of Gnome. And the best part is, if you want to bail on any of this, you can install, I think it's just Gnome Session. You install Gnome Session and you just log out and log into Gnome Session and it's a, just a stock Gnome install. With no wow. canonical tweaks at okay, all. Okay, that's super simple. And yeah. then theme it, do whatever you want. Exactly. Just start from there and and you know load up no well, tweak and that's easy. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a good way to go. Uh, and then last but not least, long term, one of the features I'm also looking forward to, and this is what I think is going to 
this is what's going to change my, my mind about where we use it. They're integrating Live Patch now into the GUI. So you can use really? for free the Live Patch service at the GUI level. And I think that's going to that's gonna spur a lot of adoption, and it makes me want to use it here on our studio equipment. So just for the GUI level, you can... I'm kind of, I'm kind of liking the Live Patch service. I've been sitting back and watching it, and for a production system that I don't reboot often, but I want to stay secure because it's connected to broadcasting to the internet all the time, it's great. It's great for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been having we've been having we had a crash today in the middle of the show. We've actually had to cut the show and, and restart the show because yeah. Noam crashed on us today. And and I'm hoping that the seventeen ten implementation, the, and I'm hoping that three dot two six dot one will be more reliable. And I'm hoping that with with a reliable, well manicured Gnome shell, that's been really well thought out and really well implemented by Canonical. Plus live patch, so I can keep it secure, and I am hoping that that will make a decent production environment that'll be easily updatable to eighteen oh four, and that I can just stay at eighteen oh four for a couple of years while I let this stuff work itself out. That's kind of my plan right now. You can actually have like this is an LTS that works on the desktop. I can install it once, Mm -hmm. and for the next couple of years, just small changes. I don't have to reinstall. I might not even reboot. Yeah, that would be amazing. So, Beard, when you get back from TwitchCon. That week when you get back, I think you and I, because I, I, I'm going to wait, because I don't want to break it before you go, we <laughs> should reload this, both these systems with Ubuntu 17.10. And just, we'll report back in the show how that's gone, and we'll just give you guys an update on on how putting in production went, what we ran into, what it was like to get OBS working, and how the performance is compared to Arch, and all that stuff. I'm I'm sold in a big way on, on some of the work they've done, and I really am curious to see where this goes for 18.04. Because if they just keep what they've got and don't screw it up, 1804 is going to be great. Because this is really great. And I was looking... Oh, man. Don't you think? Don't yeah, you think this is oh, great? Yeah, I definitely think so. Don't you think this is... Yeah, I, I, you and I were talking at lunch. Like, this is one of the releases that's really actually got us both genuinely interested in years in actually maybe using Ubuntu on the desktop again. And I was looking at some results that Joey got over at OMG Ubuntu. Almost 11,000 votes on this poll, which is pretty good. Uh, and... Uh, Still 24% of people said they're not going to upgrade. Huh. No plans to upgrade. Now, 61% say they do have plans. And these are OMG Ubuntu users, so these are like hardcore Ubuntu. Yeah, these are Ubuntu people. Yeah, and only, I was surprised, 24%. Because it's a good release. I guess maybe if you're worried about Unity. Which is, we're gonna, that's why we're going to talk about the flavors here in a moment. But anybody in the Momo room want to jump in with their thoughts so far on the 17.10 release or upgrading to 17.10? Or anybody been trying it? I'd love to get if anybody's been trying to get your thoughts too. I have been trying it, and it seems rock solid. Um, I even installed pretty much all of the desktop environments at once, and it's still <laughs> nice. no problems, no problems <laughs> Look whatsoever. At you, yeah, you I know. I, I I just decided, well, hey, let's go all out. Let's just go ahead and try it, and yeah, it it, it works perfectly fine. Nothing's crashing on me. I haven't. I, I actually have. You know, you every now and then you get that crash bug popping up to report a bug. I haven't had that happen once the entire time I've been using. Oh, nice, it. Mm, nice. Yeah, that, it has felt really solid to me too. Mm-hmm. I, I have. I have been really even impressed with the betas being solid early on. I, I sort of waited a little bit and then I jumped in. And I really had. I was pretty impressed. Okay, so I, I also tried out uh, Mate. Uh, I've been trying out Ubuntu Budgie Edition. Um, and uh, in the past, I not although not recently, had tried out uh, KDE Neon. Mm-hmm. So I got I got some flavor discussion in me too. Uh, if you if you will indulge me, oh please. Uh, and I, I know I'm sorry I don't have any Kubuntu stuff. I'm sorry I have not tried out Kubuntu stuff. Yeah, that's on you, audience. You guys go <laughs> go try that out. Come back next yeah, week. We'll back. talk about it. <laughs> I can talk about that. Have you? Okay, yeah. How yeah. has Kubuntu been been anything noteworthy? Uh, nothing. Extremely noteworthy. They are kind of a release of Plasma behind. They're on 5.10 as opposed to 5.11, which just came out. However, 5.11 will be in the Backports repository, the PPA that they have. So you can just go down and get that. Um, But other than that, man, rock solid, like I said, been saying about everything else. Good. Uh, this is going to be a bunch of new people coming to Gnome, I bet. I bet a lot of new people. Um, And then there's going to be some people that are mutinying. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, let's talk about linux.ting.com. Go to linux.ting.com to support the show and get $25 in Ting credit or $25 in purchasing power. 
How about that? Off a device. You can buy devices from Ting directly. If you bring one, they'll give you a service credit. And they have a CDMA and a GSM network, so it's a lot of devices. Pretty much works anywhere. Pretty much. You might be able to just find a device that works with Ting. Check out linux.ting.com. It's pay for what you use wireless. Your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes. Whatever you use, that's all you got to pay. Wait, I have to pay for what you use? Nope. You don't got to pay. You don't. You know, and you don't have to pay for what you might use, which is how they actually get you, which is really incredible. Imagine if you had to pay for things like in all the things, like how much gas you might use. That's crazy. That's I mean, crazy. I mean, you do in a lot of things, though. Like uh, yeah, oh for sure. Like TV, health, like health coverage. Yep, 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 yep. Insurance. Yeah, there's. I know. It's, and we hate all those things. I do. I really <laughs> do. Yeah, Ting is doing way the way the mobile is. Like if they had to like. Everybody had to start over, like, right now. Like, everybody had to hit the reset button, and everybody had to compete fairly. This is how the entire industry would work. Where, where's, where's our Ting insurance? I, well, I think, you know what? They should come up with some sort of plan like that, yeah. like like Ting plan. Pay for what you use, healthcare? Oh when so we need more people to go sign up for Ting, try them out, yeah. we'll get critical mass. Yeah. They'll be forced to insure us. It'll it be would, perfect. It would take Canadians to they save us. They are already expanding into internet. There you go. There you go. Anyways... Get in now while they're in phones. Linux.ting.com. Go there. Try them out. No contracts. No determination fees. They got a great blog, too. Lots of good stuff on the blog recently. Lots of good stuff. Chris, I want that Ting fiber so bad. Mm, man, that would be a life changer. <laughs> life changer. We'd, we'd be launching the Jupiter Broadcasting Data Centers. I tell you what. Yep. Oh, man. JBDC. Yeah, cooled cooled in oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the JB. Real pain to service. Uh, yeah. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, but co- a real good fryer. coconut oil cooled servers. Mm. That's right, fiber connected. Anyways, get started by going to linux.ting.com and a big thanks to Ting for sponsoring the Unplugged Program. Linux.ting.com, linux.ting.com. Put that in your history bar and support the show. Remember how history bars used to be a big thing? Oh, man. All right, so let's start with uh, the internet's favorite. That would be Ubuntu Mate. Mate. 1710. And uh, this is... I'll, this this I would say is the release for for Unity refugees, people that aren't ready to go to GNOME. They like the HUD, they like Comp is, mm-hmm. uh, they miss what Ubuntu used to be a bit. Um, man, did did uh, Wimpy and team nail it. So the thing is, most of us know, but if you don't, that they have going for them is they have this uh, Mate tweak tool. And you go in there and you choose the mutiny layout and, uh, you know, snap your fingers. And next thing you know, you've got essentially the Unity desktop. People but, really like that. I, like all the people I put Mata in, I showed them all the options. Yep. Almost universally people have yep. picked mutiny. Yep. Yep. Same. 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 But you see what right? You can see it right there. You see how that button is smaller than the Firefox button? Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, man. And you see how this is a circle, but then that is two shirts that aren't a circle and then that's a square. And then that one has like this extra thing that goes above the square, and then these are different squ- shaped squares. Yeah, not gonna have that. You know, ooh. So I, what, ooh. You're, what you're saying is uh, can't do that. Wimpy should have gotten a, a Chris last consult. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he will. Uh, so I also want to give a tip of the hat to Brisk. My favorite part of using Mate was the Brisk menu. Really good. I know it seems like a small thing. But having a super fast launcher that gets my searches every time I type them and then I hit enter and it launches the app I expected every damn time. That made me happy. I like that a lot. That really. So the, the Mate layout. Oh, and then and then you guys know I just professed recently again my love for comp is and the way it makes my windows look. All this you get with Ubuntu Mate. Right now, I feel like Ubuntu Budgie and Ubuntu Mate are the number one landing spots for Unity refugees. Ubuntu Budgie gives you sort of the advantages of the nice, clean Budgie desktop that's yep. also GTK, Ooh. but you get that Ubuntu base. So I think those are two very competitive alternative flavors for the 1710 release. And then you're going to have your folks that are willing to go to XFCE or willing to go to Plasma if they're, if they're going to take an extra leap. But I think... I would predict Ubuntu Budgie and Ubuntu Mate this release cycle will pick up the most converts yeah. from the from Core Ubuntu. But I think Core Ubuntu is going to benefit from a lot of new people coming in to check out what they're doing on GNOME. I am I'm coming back. I'm I'm coming back to Ubuntu. I'm I, I have been I have been distro hopping for six, seven months now. And it's been awful. <laughs> I just hated it. I just don't Constantly like it anymore. installing things. I am. No like, solid foundation. Well, like, is, okay, is this the system that has all of my stuff synced, or is that the other system? Does this one have Dropbox installed? Does that one? Does this one have LastPass? You know, all this crap software that I have to drag around with me now that is just awful to set up constantly over and over again. Um, it'll be nice to be past that. Yeah. 
I wanted it to be mate. I really well, you did. You can install it if you if I, you I, ever need to. I really wanted it to be because I, you know, I I've I've been having gnome issues recently, as we just talked about. So I was ready to just be like, screw Ditch you guys, the whole thing. Middle fingers up in the air. I'm out of here. Peace out. Thanks for all the fish. So long. But then, after going through the whole round of them, uh, the one that compels me the most and it actually fires me up to use is this new Ubuntu proper. It's just such a solid release. It's such a good implementation of it. Even if I don't stick with it, I've got to use it for a little while because I've just got to kick the tires on this. This 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 kind of thing, it doesn't happen a lot in Linux anymore. No, not really. They've, we've had very slow and steady progress releases for years now. Um, not that that's a bad thing. No, it isn't. It's, I just, in fact, I figured, okay, it's good. It's actually time for <laughs> yeah, that. We're, After, like, we're just slowly going <laughs> to yeah. iterate and fix things. It's, uh, we could use a little more of that sometimes. <laughs> Uh, so I, I I didn't think of it badly, but um, I think we've forgotten sort of what this feels like again to have a to have a company come along and make something where they ask us what we want, and then they actually listened when we said what we wanted, and then when they went and had and made their own changes to it, they went and they talked to the developers upstream. It's just weird, it's, right? It's that's like, crazy. It just doesn't happen very often. Unheard anymore. of. <laughs> so I I really enjoyed using it. Now, are you going to stick with it on any of your machines? I mean, what would it take to get you to switch away from Arch now? Because you got pretty good software availability. I sure do, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, very, I very well might. I'm doing more and more things with Ubuntu on other systems, especially like cloud servers, etc. And so it is, I got to say, it is real nice to have just the one operating system going. And it's gotten a lot easier to, like, one, software availability is better. And it's pretty easy to run uh, these days with all the tooling Ubuntu has, like to run an Arch user land or an Arch container for other things that I might need um, or an Arch VM. Mm. So there's a good possibility it'll be on some of my systems, at least for a while. For me, if it's my work system, the number one feature that they're really competing with when it comes to Arch, it's not the AUR, which I think is what everybody assumes it is. It's the fact that if I play my cards right, I never have to reload that system. That install of Arch will last as long as that physical hardware lasts. And that is so nice because when you move into a distro like that, when you can get like a five or six year install going and it works good mm-hmm. and it's still good performance. Especially like, on a nice. machine where you don't like, you know what you do with it. You just, you get in, you update it. Yeah. It mostly doesn't break. Yeah. That's why I think if I was really going to use Ubuntu, I might actually ironically be an LTS guy. Yeah. And I don't really, because I haven't run Ubuntu on, as my daily driver for so long, I don't really know what the upgrade success rate is like. If I, if I have a semi-customized system with a few snaps, maybe a couple of PPAs, and a few theme modifications or whatever, and then I upgrade that to an 1804, yeah, what Something breaks? tells me you're going to find that out. And it'll be the first time that you're doing it with GNOME 3 on Ubuntu. Yep. So it's, you, there's no guarantees. So I don't know. I can't sit here and say I'm going to have a smooth upgrade to 1804. I can hope for one. I can expect for one, but I can't say it's going to happen. But I'm going to roll that dice, and I'm going to load my current systems with 1710, assuming that I can get to 1804 one way or another. Right. And if this is any sign, 1804 will be that thing that you've wanted. Where mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here for a while. Yeah. See you in four years. Bluetooth fixes alone, GPU video accelerated fixes. And GNOME 3261 almost make it worth kicking the tires right there. Then if you would like to get into like their live patch stuff, and if you want to play with Snap Packages, then this is a really competitive distribution. But even if you're not into that stuff, there's a few things I'm going to... So this is the first review. We're going to talk about this next week. I'm going to... I don't know if this will work out. I meant to try to lock this down before the show. I'm going to invite Will Cook and some of his team to come on the show next week. Awesome. Post-release to talk about it. That's great. Hopefully it'll work out. We talked about it at the Ubuntu rally, but I, I'm sure this is a busy time for him. Um, and I did mean to try to confirm with him before the show, but we've been so giddy about the Ubuntu we've review. Been we, we really were. I forgot to. So that, that's, that's my fault. Um, but I want to follow up next week, talk about putting in production a little bit. I want to talk about using a live patch service a little bit next week. Some of those things, do some follow-up stuff. So I uh, bet by then, too, more people will have pulled yeah. it down after the actual release yeah. and tried it out. So if you'd like to join us in the Discord, because we're trying out Discord next week, you can do that. Come into Discord and let us know your take on it. I'm hoping Will and team will be in there with us. Discord Ubuntu 1710 release party yeah. next Tuesday. Yeah. I'm sure it's a little late, but uh, better late than never. Mm-hmm. I, I can't believe I'm going to be installing Ubuntu. Like That's awesome. I, mean, like, I have one I'm- Ubuntu machine here in the studio running Mumble right now, and that's it. I've been meaning to reinstall. It was going to be Arch on one of my like my main work non-portable machine at home. I think tonight it's going to be paved with Ubuntu. Oh, 
Momo Room, I'll give you guys last words on 1710 or on any of the flavors if anybody else has any thoughts. But otherwise, I'm going to leave it, looks it there. Looks good, and I can't wait to see 1804. What about you, Beard? Any other closing thoughts on this, uh, on I'm, this release? I'm a bit trepidatious over the fact that you're going to be loading these machines with Ubuntu. Yeah. Considering Wes has already had a GNOME crash. Yeah, that is the thing, isn't it? Um, although it can't crash more, probably, but maybe it could. I'm thinking I'm gonna. These will be the last machines, so we'll do these next week, mm-hmm. and then before then, I'll do Airmaster, and I will I will reload. Oh, my... you're reloading everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going all in. I thought you'd keep like one machine anchored somewhere. Yeah, yeah, but I'm so hodgepodge right now. I've got Solus, and I've got Arch, and I've got Ubuntu. I've got all all the mixes. And I've even got a pop machine in the mix. It's hard to keep that all in your head sometimes. I mean, it's fine when you're on one system, but mm-hmm. like when you rapidly switch, you really kind of start feeling the cost. And I just kind of want to settle down. Yeah. Just want to get settled. So I'm 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 motivated to start wiping. Motivated to format, Wes. It's just know? so much fun, too. <laughs> I'll be here to uh, to comfort you when you come to cry on my shoulder. <laughs> and I actually like the Ubuntu installer. Like, I'm, I'm just yeah. not an Anaconda fan. Uh, so this one, and I don't use, I mean, most of my installs none. are Arch, right? So, like, I don't usually yeah. use a GUI installer. Yeah. Uh, but Ubuntu one, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's really not too bad. I know yeah. it. It's easy. So it's just quick to get through. Yeah, it really is. It's it's non-offensive. It's not, like, the most powerful Right. Uh, and uh, But I usually just do all my partitioning just, beforehand yeah, and I just, then... I just bid basic stuff too. Yeah. I didn't really... I, you did have a bootloader problem. I did. And what um, was that about? Well, I, I'm not 100% sure. I might actually try it again and, and see if that same issue crops up. But I have multiple machines on here and it's UEFI. Yeah, so is um, mine though. So... My systems are all UEFI now, I think. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, it did not... It might have been a discrepancy between where Arch did and you mounted use... versus where Ubuntu mounts. So you created boot slash boot, yeah, and you created it using Extended Four, XFS, Butterfest. Which you use? I reused my existing slash boot, which was uh... already in UEFI and FAT and setup, which and... had my existing bootloader on it. Ah, uh, okay, I'm I'm tracking now. Yep. That could have been what it was, huh? In the past, it's worked fine. Like, okay, so to Anaconda's credit, like Fedora installs just fine and just replaces my Arch bootloader with. You know, the, the EFI executable that gets picked is that one instead. I assume this will work, too, so I'll give it another shot because mm. normally it works pretty well, mm. um, but this time it didn't. So that'll be something I'll fix after the show. Yeah, I, 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 had, uh, I had one system where I almost accidentally installed my bootloader on the thumb drive. Because, you know, with MVNE drives, <laughs> I'm so used to watching for DevSDA as my first drive. Oh, yeah, right. But in this case, the thumb drive was DevSDA. And I, Uh-oh. for a moment... Almost clicked the wrong drive in the installer, and then took a moment and go, "No, Chris, don't don't do that. That would be a very embarrassing mistake. Don't make that mistake." And so I I, I almost did it, but I, I caught the right well, thing. The good thing about installing it on a thumb drive is you make that mistake. You just take the drive and throw it away. That's true. Nobody ever knows. Well, that's true. Yeah, except for I almost would have just outed myself here on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that would have been that would have been good enough. All right. Well, I would love to hear your experience. With the new release, and I'm pretty excited about it. As I said, I think it represents just an, an incredible amount of work, um, and in a way, uh, better than I expected it to be, too. Yeah, and it just feels—I don't know—I don't know. Like I feel like we've had a hard time explaining it. It just feels good to be this excited about an Ubuntu release again. Yeah, I think that is part That's like of it. It's like a coming home kind of feeling. I think it's just nice they didn't blow it. I think it's really nice that they figured out how to work upstream in the right way. It's it's a bit too soon to say they didn't blow. Give them time. Yeah, maybe. I haven't had a... Unless something sneaks its way in, I haven't really had any, any show-stopping issues yet. I haven't had any GNOME crashes either with it. But then again, I've only been primarily using it on Intel. Are you on Intel hardware too, though? I sure am. Hmm. Well, I do have a uh, Optimus system at home, hybrid graphics, so I'll yeah. be trying that this Yeah, weekend. this is going to be... When we load it on the production systems here, this will be NVIDIA. This will yeah. be... Yeah, maybe maybe that'll be a different ball of wax. Mm-hmm. I guess I I guess that also means I guess that also means I've been using Wayland now for weeks, and I didn't even really. You two get you two bastards are using Wayland right now too. Yeah. Shh! Don't don't let our secrets out. Holy crap! You guys we are Wayland users. We don't users. get these this pixel perfect frame rate just by accident. Chris. We're all a bunch of Wayland users now. Oh my goodness! That I didn't see coming. There is your big development right there. Wow. Well, I'm looking forward to kicking the tires some more, reformatting my machines, losing a bit more data. I kid. Do your backups, kids. Do your backups. 
Go put it all up on the cloud somewhere where somebody can index it real good for you. You know what we didn't even mention? <laughs> what? ZFS support still continues to be rocking on Ubuntu. So yeah, I thought about it. But get, uh, or yeah. app to install ZFS. I want away. more. I want Do more. your backups there. Give me more. Okay. Give me more ZFS integration. Where's my ZFS GUI? Right. Yeah, okay. Right? I want a Boot ZFS paperclip wizard. All right. Thank you for being here, guys. Join us live next week. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for our live time. JBLive.tv is where you watch it. You can go to linuxunplugged.reddit.com, too. Thanks for being here. more i think about it it seems obvious like on our production system i'm going to use x that's i'm not going to use wayland on the obs system that's probably why you crashed maybe that might be what's up that might be it so i guess got, i should go look at some logs jbtitles.com thank you mumble room yeah good to have fun. you guys here thank yeah, you yeah see you later i gotta go get my son from all, school all right all righty how did uh how did an episode i've been looking forward to for doing for six months end up being short and low energy how did that how did that combination happen? It's because we didn't start the caffeine till late, Chris. You think? Maybe. I don't think so. I'm surprised you so. didn't have uh, Martin or Allen here. I I had a sense they weren't going to be here today, although I don't remember why. Um I forget. Got to get finished readying up for this release, man. Yeah, I don't no, remember. I have no idea. Too cool for us. But this it's kind week. of good, you know, so that way we can, you know. This is our take. Unbiased, yeah. no influence.